Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Terrific, terrific episode for today. Wonderfully talented and athletic guest, professional football player Taylor Russolino joins the show. It's always a great day when I get to talk football with someone. And lately, I've been particularly fascinated with kickers. And we have our second kicker on the show. Taylor first became a professional kicker 10 years ago. He made his debut for the Marion Blue Racers of the Continental Indoor Football League. Since then, he's played in several different leagues, including the CFL, the XFL, and was a member of the NFL's Denver Broncos for the 2020 season. And he suited up in the team's Week 15 game to replace their normal kicker, Brandon McManus who was out with COVID protocols. He's actually our second Denver Bronco, as we had Carl Mecklenburg on the show during season one. During his time in the XFL, he set a record for longest field goal made at 58 yards. Achieving a professional athletic career is an incredible accomplishment for anyone. And for Taylor, having been a professional now for 10 years, it's something that's wonderfully meritorious, especially when you go back and look at the genesis of his football career. As a high school student in Louisiana, he didn't play football until his senior year. He was a soccer player, and his story of how he first stepped onto the gridiron is something out of a movie. On today's episode, Taylor chats about his beginnings in football and how he's developed a tenacity to keep grinding year after year, something in which he credits his passion and his love for the game. Taylor and I also discuss the mental fortitude needed to be a kicker and how he focuses just on the next kick. Lastly, we had to talk travel. Throughout his football career, he's been in some amazing cities. New Orleans, Shanghai, Montreal, St. Louis, Denver. All great food cities, I might add. And Taylor reflects back on his career and the locations that stand out for him. Really fun conversation. I enjoy listening to him talk about the details that go into kicking. But I also really admire his story. I admire his drive and his desire to stay at it. I don't think enough can be said about how amazing it is that he has been a professional for as long as he has. Super excited to see what team he's on next. So let's go ahead and welcome on... My favorite Louisiana native and a hell of a kicker, professional footballer, Taylor Russolino. And let's learn. I read about your kicking journey and it was, it was quite unique, and especially in the fact that you only played football for one year of high school. So can you share that story of how you first found yourself on the football field? Yeah, I mean, kind of like you said, you know, one, uh, if you can even call it a full year, it was, it was kind of during the school year during the football season of my senior year um, i was a big soccer player had a big background and years of soccer experience through the club level in high school and then uh was kind of known to have a bigger leg on the team um, not necessarily the most accurate but just kind of always had a, a stronger leg than your average guy out there um so the second or third week of the season the team needed in kind of an emergency kicker we had a phenomenal kicker at the time who was actually if I remember right, going to Cuba for a Team USA Junior Tournament. So he was like an all-state kicker. Um, 
guy by the name of Robin Broach ended up playing Division One baseball at Tulane. He was a heck of an athlete, great kicker. Had to go away for baseball. They needed a kicker in the um, emergency situation. They grabbed me out of PE class, and they were like, "Russellino, see if you can see if you can come out here and kick this football." And and I've never done it. I, I was out there to kind of taking taking um, I guess steps. Um, and getting advice from from eight different football coaches. It's zero always like ten played. different people giving you the kicker's advice too. And zero who have probably ever exactly. actually kicked. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just out there. I mean, I'm kicking. I'm kicking the hell out of the football. It's going fifty plus yards. I'm making a lot of them. Um, kind of. I mean, just I, I was showing that I had the ability to, to to fill in as an emergency guy, you know. And then um, and then basically went home that night, discussed it with the. Uh, with the folks and then came to the conclusion that, Hey, let's give this a go. Um, and then it was kind of a, kind of an ironic time because we had our biggest, um, our biggest game that next, that next game was against Shaw high school, which is our in new Orleans. Um, the boys Catholic school district is a very rivalry, like very history. Um, you know, lots of history and lots of great players come out of that league and it's, very competitive to say the least and we were playing Shaw one of the biggest games in front of 10,000 people um which is actually more than I played in front of all through college yeah um and uh we were playing the game warmed up did not get to go as a starting kicker the coach is like look I'm not going to throw you out on the football field first time ever going out there I wasn't even sure if my pads were in right and then um was warming up and was hitting the, hitting the ball well, was hitting some good field goals, showing some distance. But the coach, like I said, the coach was like, look, sit this one out, though, in case, whatever. So the game goes on. Um, they have a field goal attempt throughout the game, and the current the guy who was kicking was the starting safety, ended up being my remaining college. Anyway, a guy by the name of Kevin Peters, he comes up short on a 31-yarder on a field goal. Freak of an athlete, but just, you know, he couldn't put the ball through the uprights when needed to. So it came down to – you know, three seconds left in the game. Um, coach Roth is a, a head coach over there at the time, came up to me, kind of tapped me on the shoulder, was like, it was going to be a 41-yard attempt right hash um, field goal to win it. So it was either win, kick it, kick it and win it or go home. And they were like, well, look, the, other, like, the guy who kicked the previous one kind of had no shot. So we need, a, uh, we need you if – and he's like, do you want to go make this – you know, make this opportunity or take advantage of it. It's like, you want to go out there? I said, coach, absolutely. You know, um, so I run out there. Um, we're at Joe Yenny Stadium in Metairie, Louisiana, kind of our home field. Like I said, big crowd for high school. I kicked the ball. You know this is I, your first play as a high school football player? First, first play ever as a high school football player. This is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, in high school, the uprights are fairly shorter compared to the NFL where they're much yeah. taller. Um, so I kicked it from 41 yards away, went up, went straight, went over, went directly over the upright. Um, you know, as the ball's traveling in the air, you know, our entire home, to, uh, home side, everybody's jumping up and down. I mean, I'm even kind of just like on my toes looking. Yeah. Is, is it good? Is it not good? It was, it was essentially a judgment call. And – our fans are going up and down. Head coach throws the headset. The refs didn't call anything. And for literally a split second, they hesitated and then eventually call it no good. Oh. 
Anyway, though, so but that kick right there, which was pretty suspenseful at the time for me. I mean, I had I had coaches and players being like, like second guessing the refs. Like even even myself was like, uh, is there a replay? This was 2008, so I don't think we had instant replay at high school games. But um, but yeah, so that was the kickstart of uh, of football for me. That one kick in a biggest game. We did lose, um, but hey, I, I went out there, gave it my best effort, which is all I could do at the time. But, 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 but it was an incredible feeling, and that feeling is something that I've, I've just wanted ever since then, and, and loved the thrill of that. So it was awesome. Well, it's a brilliant story. It's a better story than had you made it, because that's too cheesy. That's too cliche. We're rebounding right, from right. the loss. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned playing college ball. Well, you've actually played ball at Millsaps College. So when you think back to those years in Mississippi, what are the first memories that come to mind? Um, you know, the team we had at, at the division three level, um, was exceptional. We had a team filled with high caliber players. We were top five in the nation for a couple of years under the, um, under the guidance of coach Mike Dubose, who was a phenomenal coach at the SEC level and even in the NFL for a little while. So having him at division three level really gave us that success as a program to just, to bring in some high caliber players and to put together a winning product. And it was fun, which made it more fun um, for, for my four years there. And, and then probably my, my best memory on the field was a 47-yard a game-tying field goal um, with like one second left against our rival, Mississippi College, just a, another local D3 school in Mississippi, um, on a cold, breezy night and, and put it through the uprights. And so – that was probably the highlight, but it was, you know, I think we lost, I think my senior class lost maybe five or six total games in four years. So it was fun. Well, from there, you've played pro ball for almost a decade now across several yeah. different leagues. Where does the grind come from, man? Because I'm wondering mentally how you handle all the ups and downs that come with playing pro ball for so long, especially going from one league, one team to another. Right, right. Um, I mean, I just love, I love football. It's, it's a passion and I love, I love being out there with the team and, and executing at my craft. I just love the feeling of that. It's a, to me, there's nothing better than it. And it's, it's, it's what pushes me and motivates me every day to continue to get better and to continue to, to excel and to reach that, that next level every time. How do you acclimate yourself to a new team and develop that trust? Cause I'm sure that time, where it was your first snap in high school, I'm sure that wasn't the only time where you were thrown in last minute joining a team at the last second. So for you, when you joined a, a new team, how'd you develop the trust and how did you get everybody to be like, hey, I'm just like one of you guys? Yeah, that's a, um, I mean, as a specialist, that's a big part of our, of our journey and our path is getting a call on a, on a Monday or Tuesday and then joining a team on a Wednesday, Thursday, and then expecting to, to be perfect on Sunday. So that all happens within a, a week. Um, but at the professional level, just just trusting those guys. I mean, they're there for a reason. They've executed their their tasks hundreds and thousands of times. They're very good at what they do. So, just trusting trusting the teammates, whether you've been with them for a day or obviously you build more trust over time. But just you know, getting in as as much work as you can before it really matters, and and then you know, hoping it all comes together on game day. Um, yeah. But yeah, just trusting the time and the, what you put into to being at that level. We know that mental aspect is an important part of kicking and probably even more so than the physical aspect. So for you, how do you move past a successful or an unsuccessful kick? Kind of like when golfers, I talk to them, after each shot, after each hole, they got to just start fresh. So for you mentally, how do you erase the positive and the negative and just focus on the next kick at the end? 
right? Um, I mean, as a kicker, there's a lot of us that kind of take that one kick mentality. It's kind of, you know, this kick, whatever result you get, you get, you move on to the next one. Um, you know, you hope majority of them are good. And then if you have those bad ones, you kind of keep that same mentality. You don't let it bring you down too much. You can't think about it. You kind of, you kind of see what it was. You kind of dissect it push it behind you onto the next one. Cause you know, in a game, you may have two field goals within a two minute period. If you miss that first one, that, that there's a an interception then a stop real quick. You could be right up a minute and a half later. You need to be ready to bounce back and execute. What's the mantra leading up to a kick for you? How are you placing yourself in that, in that moment at that time? Just the visual visualization of that ball literally going through the uprights exactly where I want it to few deep breaths and and really just it goes back to that that whole trusting my my swing the operation um and just knowing that the execution is going to come if i do these things right um and yeah just just confidence in the ability to to execute due to the time and work you've you know put into to make that successful kick you know yeah yeah do you use any words to kind of reshape your focus and just kind of snap I do, uh, you know, throughout my career, I've actually gone through, you know, a few different series of words, um, you know, every, maybe every couple of years, you, some things change, but, um, you know, some things more recently for me, sometimes I'll get back into my, I guess, a uh, stance, you'll say, and like, I'll have a couple of key words, say like head down, swing through the football, you know, those are, those are two pivotal statements that kind of get me to, all right, it's the next two seconds, it's go time, you know, so, you know, keep the head down swing through the football and typically when those things are executed it's a it's a successful result so you know um but yeah those are huge in regards to that you know getting the ability to build confidence mentally and then putting it putting that product out on the field for you to be as successful as long as you have professionally you probably had to change along the way so what do you know now about kicking that you wish you had known when you first started just that i mean to focus more on on the technical and, and the, at the technique aspect of it compared to just maybe going out there and just kicking four balls in a, a span of a minute and a half and just you know if you miss one rushing it and just because you want to see the next one go through the uprights you know but really you know now we're, we're at this level just coming with the experience so much more detailed in our craft per se and um, you know if we miss one you know I know why I missed it you know breaking down each kick and being able to recognize, you know, a mistake, whether it was minor or even major sometimes because mistakes do happen and being able to, to make that correct um, adjustment and, and fix it on that very next kick is, um, is a huge part to, to building success, you know? Yeah. Well, you've played on several different teams. Do you remember what team you were playing for a year ago this week? It was a, yeah, it was a year ago this week that um, it was actually a, so a year ago today, December 16th was my very, very first practice with uh, the Denver Broncos as a professional um, with the team. It was December 16th. It was a Wednesday. Um, it was an incredible day. I was actually reading back into my, to my journal uh, the other day about it. And then uh, kind of in regards to, to really get in some details and, and how cool it actually was um, for me. So it, like I said, first full day of practice with the team, you know, going through full um, live snap field goal operations and full field kickoffs um, and had a great day. I went, I went nine for 10 out there on the first day of practice with a long of 57 um, and then put 
um, we had five kickoffs. So during a typical practice, you know, you'll hit three to five kickoffs with the kickoff team. I had five kickoffs. We were, we were in the indoor. Um, four of the five went through the uprights and the fifth one hit the crossbar. Um, I get it. We're in Denver, but the ball was flying and yeah. I had a little bit of adrenaline. It was the first practice and I was on my absolute A game. Um, at the end of practice, that was when Coach Fangio had brought me up, introduced me to the team, was saying how, you know, by the way, he saw me kick today. He, he expects I'll be around for a while and, and was basically just just giving me a little bit of praise on the results that he saw from my first ever NFL practice. It was awesome. That was, yeah, a year ago today, December 16th. And then following that practice, which is cool, um, you know, I went and ate lunch. And then one of the player development guys was like, hey, man, we need to get you in the stadium. He was like, you know, you know, if you're suiting up Saturday for the first yeah. time and, and he's like, it'd be, he's like, if I was in your shoes, I'd want you to go get that, get that feel. I'm like, Hey, Let's I just, kicked, I just kicked 50 balls this morning, but I'm that like, I'm all for this. Let's go. So an hour goes by, he gives me a, you know, I get a bag of footballs. They tell me where to, where to drive, where to park. I drive to the stadium mile high um, in Denver and, and get the keys to the entire stadium to oh. myself. There wasn't a, there wasn't a human around and I'm a, I'm sitting in there. I mean, hidden from 60 plus both directions. It was a beautiful day, you know, a little breeze here and there, but as far as conditions go on that day, it was flawless. And, and just for a few moments, just taking that experience in and it, it was unbelievable. And, and then just getting, you know, I got 20 or 30 kicks in, which was, which was beneficial to, uh, to me getting a feel for the stadium. And, and, but yeah, a year ago this week was an awesome time. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I was thankful and hopefully I'll be right back in there soon. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you will. And I'm looking forward to that. What was one of the surprising things away from football? One of the, maybe the, the, the types of food that you had or just the lockers. What was some of the things that you were so excited to tell your old teammates and friends? Like, you won't believe, but they have this. I mean, in the NFL level, you are, you're catered to. It's, yeah. a, it's a privilege. It's an honor, but... Yeah. They, uh, they, they certainly take care of you. The Denver Broncos organization was, was world-class, um, incredible people over there, all within each department from nutrition to the kitchen. And I mean, they had, they had turmeric shots. If you wanted healthy shots, they had seven types of protein drinks, you know, whatever it is that's going to benefit you as an individual, you know, I mean, it, it's a big business. So they're there to optimize their, uh, their athletes performances and, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's surreal when you walk in there and, and you feel like like all right, I've made it, and this is like royalty kind of. It was, yeah. it, it's a cool, it's a humbling experience. It's really, 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 really a, a, an honor and a privilege to be able to to step into a, a locker room like that. So, you had told me earlier that one of the coaches there that left an indelible mark on you was Coach McMahon, Thomas McMahon. So, can you talk about your relationship with Coach McMahon? Yeah, um, Coach Tom McMahon is uh, the special teams coordinator for the Denver Broncos, basically the, uh, the coordinator at the time um, that gave me the opportunity to come in there and to serve as a practice squad kicker. Um, going in there, you know, it, with the cold COVID protocol, um, so I was there for five weeks, four of the weeks we got to practice. Um, one of those weeks was the week I was with the team, which I was telling you about earlier. Um, yeah that I had that very successful practice in leading up to the game. Um, but the other three weeks, basically I was separated from the entire team in regards to COVID. They wanted to keep, you know, me and Brandon McManus separated because the reason I was there was essentially um, as an insurance policy in case he did get COVID. Yeah. Um, which did happen in regards to, 
him getting the contact tracing. But anyway, so so me and Coach McMahon were basically practicing twice, two or three times a week, just him and I on the field. Um, it was unique, but it was awesome. I was getting in, individually coached by one of the most reputable special teams coordinators in the game who's coached some of the greatest um, from Adam Vinatieri to to Cody Parkey to, to some guys who have had so much success um, for years and years. And, and my, my eight or nine practices with him were, were absolutely flawless to say the least. Like, and I'm not, you know, it was really, really encouraging for me as a professional to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm here at practice daily, you know, showing that I belong, showing um, on a consistent basis, hitting, hitting the same ball and, and, and doing the things that Coach McMahon would ask and, and soaking in his, his knowledge and, and everything he had for me that he's learned through his experience. But, you know, he had trust. He had knowledge. Um, he had knowledge to share with me that I was able to soak in and then apply. And he saw that ability to, to coach me. And, and I was showing him that I belong to this game. And, and he's been – He's been a blessing to me. He's been, I'm not on a team right now, but um, he has, you know, we, we communicate throughout the season and, and, and trying to, to get a potential opportunity for me somewhere in this NFL, um, in this league here soon, and which I think will come, but he's played a huge part of it. And, um, and I mean, it was good to show him day in and day out that, that I belong in this league and that can hang with some of the best in the world. Hmm, that's fantastic. I love hearing that. I'm also curious about your time in the XFL. When you just think back to your time there, what are the first memories that pop up? Uh, I mean, the XFL was was life changing. Um, the first, the best, the best memory is just that first home game that we had. Um, I personally had a phenomenal game with a 58 yard field goal, which was a, a career long for me yeah. at, at any level. Um, but but just that 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 game and really one of the coolest memories is when, when I tell a lot of this, when I talk about the XFL, this is a, a story I kind of tell often in regards to when we were exiting to the stadium on the team bus, everybody has their headsets in and they're, you know, they're all kind of in their zone. And all of a sudden we get off the interstate and you look right. And there is literally, I mean, it looks like an SEC Saturday or a, a tailgate to an, an NFL playoff game. There were, you know, thousands of people in the parking lot filled with tailgating. And this is four or five hours before the game. So just seeing that, that fan, the, the St. Louis community come together, and it was incredible, their support and love for the Battle Hawks. So that first home game, I mean, there's been nothing like it in my career I don't, that I can say right now, but that was, that was one for the books, a memory I'll have for forever. So that was incredible. You've played football in some amazing cities, Montreal, St. Louis. Denver, but there's been one that I've been itching to ask you about because my first thought was they play football there. And that was, you played, you played professional football in Shanghai. So what was that like? How did you first find this league? And what are some of your first memories that you think about when you think about your time in Shanghai? Right, right. Um, so Shanghai was that three, maybe like two and a half months was incredible. That was that was an arena football, um, which we, um, which we still have here in the states. Arena yeah. football is a pretty popular kind of thing. They have small teams and small markets all over the nation. Um, but I was playing arena football for the New Orleans Voodoo, my hometown team. Had a few connections in the league and got wind of the league that was going to start up in China, in which they were going to take mostly arena current American arena players and coaches, bring them over there to fill and coach the teams. 
and put on this little, you know, 10, 10 game, three month season to just bring football to the Chinese, um, you know, the Chinese fans in, in their country over there, which, which they fully embraced. Um, it was extremely cool. The culture, the, the people treated us. I mean, we were superstars over there. Um, playing for Shanghai and we bounced around kind of basically we traveled and played as an organization. So there were eight teams, like all eight teams would play in Shanghai one week. Then okay. the next week, all eight teams would play in Beijing. Then the next week, all eight teams would play in Dali. And so we were, we were traveling as it was. So we're traveling with what, that was probably three or 400 people. So it was a community and we were going to some of the coolest cities in the world. And, and mo- nine out of 10 of us have never been over there. So it was, it was amazing. Um, it was a very, very, very cool experience. Something I'll, I'll never forget and a huge part of my football journey for sure. All because you missed a kick in your first high school game. Right. All be, all be, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you've played in some amazing cities and I know that when you're playing, you don't often get as much time as you want to travel. But as far as the trips and the travels you've taken, which of the locations, which of the cities was the best place to stick around and, and have a night out and get something to eat? Uh, I mean, there's a handful of them. St. Louis has the hill, um, okay. which is, uh, I believe a, a great spot for Italian in which I was able to go a couple nights out of the, you know, few months I was there and had some of the best Italian food I've ever had in my life. So, um, shout out to them <laughs> in St. Louis. Um, I was trying to remember the exact restaurant. I'm drawing a blank, but some delicious food over there. World-class Italian food. And well, I got to ask then, is for someone visiting New Orleans, what's the food order, which they have to? Because I was just there for the first time last month. What is the go-to food order for you when you're back in New Orleans? Um, the first thing is, is, is I'd say 80%, 90% of the time I arrive, we basically go get some charboard oysters or some oysters somewhere from, a, you know, there's a, a number of places that we go to. Um, but yeah, that's probably number one on the list. And if it's crawfish season, definitely some mud bugs. And, uh, but yeah, I'd say those are the, those are the go-tos. <laughs> So the next book I'm working on is a book on uncertainty and in doubt and how that drives innovation. So for you, I feel like uncertainty and doubt has been a big part. It's been looming over your, your professional career, especially joining teams, lots of tryouts. How do you handle uncertainty and doubt? When you don't know the answer, when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, what pushes you forward? Just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in, in faith and, and I do believe, you know, that the Lord has a plan for us and, and I trust in his plan. Um, I personally, you know, try my best to, to control the controllables, um, really focus on what I can control because at this level, it's, it, it's about staying ready 24-7, 365. You're basically waiting on a call for a workout and when that workout comes, it's game day. And that could be off season or in um, or during the season. So controlling what what I can control and just trusting that, you know, through the ups and the downs that that he has a plan, that 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 there's that that there's something out there at the end of the tunnel and and that all I can do every day is wake up and, and be thankful and 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 just put my head down and work and you know, let the rest take care of itself. You know, it's been a crazy couple years for everybody, but especially for you. Time in the XFL, time in the NFL, a wedding, all within the last time, all during a quarantine and pandemic. So for you personally, not even football related, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've picked up from the last two years? 
I mean, I guess one of the biggest ones is that is that failure has, you know, has an extreme amount of benefits. And, and obviously, I'm kind of relating that to my to my game in Denver, um, you know, my first NFL game that that apparently, you know, was thrown at me with with some crazy weather conditions that day. So I was facing adversity with with the wind and, and the cold and and just um, failing because um, that's essentially what the outcome was, is I didn't execute that day. I didn't um, adjust properly. It just didn't go my way. It's just one of those days, to say the least. But what you take from that is is you learn from that. You you take that failure, you take the positives out of it, and you build because that is going to – those situations are going to come come around again, and it's going to be how you handle that situation, how you, how you embrace it or how you adjust and um, – improvise to that moment and, and to whatever the conditions or situation may be is, um, you know, just, just be ready and, and, you know, learn from, learn from the past experiences, good, bad ups, downs, and, and each day go forward, just build off those and just be ready for whatever comes next, you know, but. What's the secret to having a fun and entertaining wedding during a pandemic? that's tough. I mean, we were able to kind of squeeze it in in the middle of our wedding was postponed a full year. And then we were able to, you know, through the ups and downs of changing venues, changing reception halls to keeping the fiance happy at the time. We found a a time in New Orleans where we were able to execute a a big wedding. And because I think now I like, I mean, they're back under regulation. So I don't even know if we could have the same wedding we did back in April. Now, I don't, I don't know if they'd allow it, but it was, but it was incredible. It was, I mean, New Orleans is known for its, its fun, vibrant, you know, weddings that involve nothing but, you know, good times, good people, good music and dancing and, you know, second lining down, down the French quarter. It's, it's such an, such a unique experience down there. So but it was one of the best days of my life, if not the best day. So I'm very thankful that we got, got to do it. And, and uh, the married life has treated me extremely well for the first, what are we, seven or eight months in there. So yeah. can't, well, can't complain. Well, and you guys also took some amazing wedding pictures. Can you tell me about that experience? You were in Yosemite. I mean, these, these pictures are brilliant. These are amazing. Yeah, that was a that was a, a awesome experience. A, a definitely a little treat that we were um, able to to come through with in Yosemite, and had a phenomenal group of photographers um, getting some extremely professional and beautiful shots from sunrise to to sunset. We were we caught the sun um, the sunrise, left the park, got home at about twelve thirty one o'clock slept for an hour, woke back up, drove into the park for two or three hours to catch the sunrise. Um, and then cat, and then throughout the hike in our tuxedo and her beautiful dress. But yeah, some of those photos are, are world-class and I, I keep telling her to print more out cause I want more of them around the house. So they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. That they are truly unforgettable. You're actively trying to stay ready. You're ready for the next call. So what's a typical training day like for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm kicking. So, so we're in season right now. Um, so for a kicker, or I guess you can say for any player, really, if you get a call for a workout, it's going to be on a Sunday, Monday, and then you'll work out on Tuesdays, at least most of the time. Um, they do work out players throughout the week, mostly, but Tuesdays is, is the big day because that's player off day. So, so really just, you know, I'm kicking two or three times a week um, right now with a, with a good group of guys, a good group of free agents and other guys at, at the level I'm at, which is always good to stay competitive and, 
and to keep yourself surrounded um, with with other talent. And then, um, you know, so kicking two or three times a week and working out about four um, and staying, you know, a, a big thing is recovery, um, how I'm feeling each each morning, each each night, um, how I'm sleeping each night. I do a I do a big, you know, I've really taken to account how I um, manage my body from yeah. nutrition to working out to sleep to recovery methods to supplementation to a whole lot of things just to keep, keep me ready for when that call comes you know i, yeah. I gotta be ready to to go um bags stay packed cleats stay in the bag and i'm i'm ready to walk out that door and head to the airport in five minutes if i need to yeah <laughs> just let everybody know that i'm ready i'm anxious and i'm looking forward to that next nfl opportunity and whatever comes my way i'm gonna i'm gonna be ready to to attack it and embrace it and has flexibility changed as you've gotten older um, as far as your devotion to the, the training of it, I should say. Um, sort of, yes. Flexibility is huge in regards to kicking. Um, so I certainly take pride in, in, in maintaining an adequate amount of flexibility. I'm not, I'm not some, I'm not trying to be some, some Gumby yeah. type flexible human. Um, because you know, you need that, that rubber band fast twitch as a kicker, but yeah, flexibility and just, you know, keeping the muscles healthy and, and strong and, you know, letting them function properly is, is definitely the main goal. Now I know it's a brotherhood and I know it's for the brand and I know kickers and punters got each other's backs. I know it, but my buddy Nick wanted to know who's tougher kickers or punters. And I know there's a lot of overlap. You do a little bit of both, but who am I taking in a squid game basically? I mean, being a kicker, I'm still (laughs) going to say the punters just because kickers, Punters or, I mean, typically they're three to four inches bigger than all yeah, the kids. Okay. So they're big guys. I mean, you look at some <laughs> of the punters in the NFL, they're 6'4 to 6'5, 220 pounds. I mean, some of them absolutely lay down the, uh, you know, the hit stick on some of these returners. So I, I guess I can't fault you for saying a punter, you know, or <laughs> even myself. But <laughs> this has been awesome, man. This has been one of my favorite conversations of the year. How can people – stay up to date how can they follow your life and just support you along your journey of course of course um i mean my two biggest platforms i kind of you know i'm on there is twitter and instagram um tg and then my last name russellino and then i uh and then on my youtube page uh, i'm actively posting you know whether it's training sessions of kicking whether it's highlight sessions from the xfl the nfl all the way back to college i mean i've been posting videos on youtube of kicking for feels like a decade now so that's what I'm saying. When these NFL teams are like, we want film. I'm like, look, you're two yeah. clicks away from, yeah. from years and years of film and progression and, and game film and practice film and combine film. I was like, there's, you know, j- just do the research and it's right in front of your eyes. But yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, or, uh, or YouTube. Those are the three avenues. Best of luck. I hope we chat again. And, and you, yeah. got a fan. you got a fan. I'll be supporting you out here in, in Arizona. Appreciate that so much. Yeah, I'm open. If you, uh, if you need anything or anything, and any other details or quick tidbits, just let me know. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, you and your family. And yeah, Thanks, stay in man. touch. Thanks, man. Ed, today was great. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. All right. All right. See you, Ted. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to my man, Taylor. Do me a favor. Follow him on Instagram. I tell you, it is amazing content. His kicking videos will blow your mind a bit, especially the ones on the beach. Can't beat that. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>